0: Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmitt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and this is Shane Seegers. And Shane works with all of our site pastors. He directs our uh, ministry, the the site pastors. He helps uh, train them and lead them as they lead congregations. We have extensions in Wetumpka and Cloverdale and Pike Road right now, and we're working with folks uh, to go uh, points beyond that in the years to come. And so Shane works with them. And every time we have something that's important uh, that we want everybody here, I want to bring them up here because this is something at all of our sites. And it's, well, every time I have a list, I bring you up. Okay, there we go. uh, But Shane is uh, an important part of our ministry here. And today we're going to talk about serving and uh, serving in ministry. So inside this little worship folder that you got today with opportunities to serve on it, mention that in a little bit, you'll find an outline entitled, Shaped to Serve. And if you take that in your hand, if you need a uh, pen, by the way, to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. Um, It's important that we discover how God shaped us to serve because God wants all of us in ministry, right?
1: Yeah, he does. And that's why I love CenterPoint's vision to continue to start uh, sites all around because we need as many people as we can to fulfill God's Uh, commission on us. And ministry is simple. It's just meeting needs. And there's needs all around us. There's physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, financial needs. And um, and when you start thinking about all the needs that are around us and you start to realize, wow, how many people is it going to take to meet these needs? It's kind of clear. It's going to take every single one of us to accomplish the ministry that God's put before us.
0: And so, what's great is from the very beginning at Centerpoint, we didn't want this to be that the people who are serving, people who are doing ministry, are just the professionals or people with seminary degrees, that all of us could play. And so, today, I'm going to talk about how God has shaped all of us for service. Would you pray for us, please? Yeah. Father, I want to thank you so much uh, that we have an
1: opportunity to first gather and to worship you because of what your son has done for us, dying on the cross. We can know you and have a relationship. And that changes everything about us. It makes us new. And God, then with the, the newness of life, you, you give us your spirit. You give us a new mission, a new purpose to be a part of what you've always wanted uh, this world to be. And God, we have an opportunity to serve, to join you, how, how you've always created us to be. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us today. And God, this would not just be information, but this would be an invitation, a call to be about your, your purpose in this world that we'd hear this as an opportunity to serve and to realize how uh, that's not just for a few, that's for every single one of us. So God, would you speak clearly to us today that we might get involved in this great call you have on us? In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. We're going to jump right in on the front uh, page of your outline. You'll see this, that God expects us to serve. I want to build the case for that with five uh, references from Scripture and a brief heading for each one. First of all, you and I were created to serve God. We were. We were created to serve God. Front page of the Bible, Genesis 1. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. In Genesis 2, we find out that God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to tend and care for it. Not just to walk around, but to tend and care for it. From the very beginning... God created human beings to work and to serve. He has things for us to do. That's why he's given us creative minds of our own. And he's given us the desire to achieve and accomplish things. And all of us know what it's like to have a good day's work where you put your best energies into something. You cranked out a good report. You had a great day tending a garden that you loved to tend. You had a hard day's work, but it was a satisfying day. It wasn't to prove anything to anybody. It wasn't to make yourself a big shot. It was just to fulfill what God gave you to do. And it was rich and satisfying. You go, I loved it today. Well, that's what God wants us to experience all the time. But we don't because of sin. And that brings us to point B. Not only were we created to serve God, but we were saved to serve God. See, when sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, and they were booted out of the Garden of Eden and out of God's presence, well, it's because we put our own sinful nature ahead of what God wanted us to do. And so instead of working to please God, we started working for ourselves. And that's where all the twisted ideas of hoarding up wealth and of seeking power and trying to dominate others came from. And when we come to Christ, we acknowledge that, hey, it doesn't, there's no satisfaction in just having lots of money or having lots of power or just being a big shot or other things like this that isn't good at all. And when we come to Christ, we go, we're saying, God, I've been leading my, living my life my own way. Please forgive me and put me on the right path. To get saved doesn't mean just saved from hell. Saved from sin and from stupid thinking and from wrong thinking about even what we were created for. So in Ephesians 2, Paul brings this out. He says, look, God has created us anew. And please circle the word anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We get back on track the way Adam and Eve were, serving God. And that's really what it means here, what we talk about today. This is why this is such an important part of our Christian experience. I mean, Shane, saved is more than just Uh, getting saved from hell.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way of talking about it. A lot of times we talk about saved and we talk about what we're saved from. And there's another reality to that. It's what we're saved for, just as you mentioned. And we've been saved from sin, which is going again, as John just talked about, our own direction, whether that's with attitudes and actions, but also with just our selfish behavior, thinking everything in this world is about me. You know, like, here's the world, it's me, and everything revolves around me. And that's not the way God created it. And so when we're saved from that attitude, then we get to get in line again with the way God originally created for us to be uh, serving around him and the good that it is for for everyone else
0: when we fall into God's purposes for us. So we're created to serve, we're saved to serve, point C, and we are commanded to serve. You and I are commanded to serve God. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was talking to his disciples, to all of them. He sat them down one day as they were traveling, because two of them, James and John, got it in their heads that they would put their shovel in first. And see if they could get key places in heaven. They came to Jesus one day. They asked their mom actually came on their behalf. And asked if her sons, James and John, could have the right hand and left hand next to Jesus on his throne in heaven. I'm not asking for much, Jesus. Just one of my sons be prime minister and the other one secretary of state. Would that be okay? In heaven. In heaven. And Jesus got... All the other disciples were mad when they heard about this. And they were probably mad because they hadn't thought of it themselves. We don't know. But they were mad at James and John. And Jesus said, look, guys, sit down. Let's go over this again. You were created to serve. You had sin in your life. I've come to save people, to turn that around. Don't bring that kind of thought into the kingdom of God. As a Baptist pastor, a friend of mine would say, you got stinking thinking. You need a checkup from the neck up. Okay, you're going the wrong way. So,
1: yeah, I don't have
0: no comment. Okay. anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But but the whole point is exactly that. We do need a checkup from the neck up. But we're thinking that getting in church is about status and position. No, Jesus said, look, I'm the son of God. I came here to serve, not to be served. I could easily lord it over all of y'all because I'm Lord. But here I came to serve you. If you're going to follow me, the kingdom of heaven, the economy is upside down on this. Let's understand that. So we're created to serve, saved to serve, commanded to serve. And can I just say something real quick briefly about that? I was that. on a roll. Yeah, me. I know you're on a roll. Okay. Hey, I'm okay. up here too. Okay. No, I'm
1: just kidding. Just kidding. The, the commanded to serve, you know, there's a lot of times when we think about God's commands, we think they're just burdensome. Mm. You know, but when God gives us a command, it's always for our good. And when he commands us, it reveals his will. And we all, we got a new desire. We got a new heart. We want his will to be our will. And then when we understand his commands, it's not, oh, gosh, i got to do this. It's, this is going to be for my good. I get to do this. And I think that's just a huge thing for us to begin to process when it comes to realizing, yeah, we've been commanded, but all of God's commands are always for our good.
0: Yeah, and so when we're asking people to serve and get involved in the ministry of this church, we don't want you to feel guilted into that. We don't want you to feel shame to that. We want you to be excited about it. I hope this is encouraging to you today. I mean, that's the whole idea behind having multiple locations because... Instead of just one location for this church, because that way we can have lots more opportunities for people to serve. This is what God created us to do. It's what he saved us to do. It's what he commanded us to do. Can I keep going now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go all right, on good. Man. You're on a roll, man. And it's what he has, I've got to go here, it's what he has gifted us to do. And we talked about this last week. I was with someone last week in a connect with me and they said, I've never heard of spiritual gifts before. We baptized him not long ago, and they said, I didn't know that when the Holy Spirit comes inside of me that he will give me the abilities to do certain things well inside the church. That's really good news, because I didn't know how I was ever going to make a contribution in church. I mean, listen, this is what she was talking about, 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking, and speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And that's what we find is when we have a spiritual gift, when we come to Christ, He comes in our heart, and His Holy Spirit energizes us and enables us to make solid, wonderful contributions to the ministry as we serve Him together in the church. So we're created, saved, commanded, gifted, and finally, point E, you and I are rewarded when we serve. We will be rewarded in heaven when Jesus was talking about the Judgment Day, he described it as a separating the sheep and the goats. The sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. The sheep are the people who served and understood what God had put them on this earth to do. The people on the left were those who just lived for themselves. Jesus speaking here. Come, you were blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home, I was naked, you gave me clothing, I was sick, and you cared for me, I was in prison, and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, "Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then King will say, "I tell you the truth." When you did it to the least of the, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me? God says he'll reward us. Another place in Scripture, Jesus says, if you and I even give someone a cup of cool water in God's name, he'll reward us. So, we're created to serve, saved to serve, commanded to serve, gifted to serve, rewarded to serve. Shane, what sticks out of that list for you? Uh, the serving. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
1: if God went through all of this trouble to make sure that we served, I mean, it just kind of makes sense that this is what he wants us to do. I've never been accused of being the brightest person in the world, but it just seems that if you look at it and you see this is what God desires and look at all that he did in order to make that possible. He's not trying to frustrate us by going, "Oh, I'm going to ask them to do something they'll never be able to do. He goes, what can I do to give them everything possible for them to do what I, what I want them to do and what not only will they benefit from, but everybody else will benefit from if they will do it then that's what I'm going to do. And God does that. So, I mean, it just just screams. There's no excuses. There's no excuses for us not to be involved in what God's, God's doing.
0: And what's exciting about this is when you and I cooperate with what God is doing, we will experience him in our lives every day. We'll experience that joy. We've had connect groups work together on service projects. And they say, you know, we enjoy the service projects more than even our fellowship events. And we love those. But when we serve together, it's like, man, we're all busy doing what God wants. We felt like we're his hands and his feet. Exactly. Because that's the way Jesus looks at us collectively as his body. We're his fingers. We're, his, we're the people, the mouthpieces speaking for him. We're the ones who can see the needs in our community and then work together to help meet those needs. And that brings us to the other side of your outline. If you flip your outline over or open it and just keep it open with both pages here, we want to kind of help you do a diagnostic here today because what we've done in the rest of the bulletin, the rest of the bulletin, is a, basically a brochure with all the places to serve we have at Centerpoint here in Prattville and at our other locations, um, places for us to serve. But we'd like for each of you before you start looking at opportunities and places to serve to evaluate well where might God use you, and that's where this little acronym behind behind us, the shape acronym, it comes from uh, the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. He was the first person I saw. He he may have gotten it from somebody else. I don't know, but he was the one who made it popular. Um, but it helps us kind of see how God has shaped us. And by looking at five different dimensions of who we are and how God made us, sometimes it becomes a little easier to figure out where we serve. So at the top there, the top blank on the inside of your outline is that God has shaped us to serve. The Bible tells us that God knit us together inside our mother's womb, that he uh, planned every day for us before a single one had passed, that he has, and as we read a minute ago, that he saved us from Christ Jesus to do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And so we're shaped to serve. I mean, that's right, Shane. God has a plan for us. Yeah,
1: and that's just kind of what we walk through here. I mean, that's his plan. That's why he did everything possible in order for us to be successful. And the key thing is that, again, what we want to stress is nobody has to sit on the sidelines. That's the thing that we've always tried to stress, I believe, since the beginning of Centerpoint, is we're going to be a church where everyone gets to contribute. And we're not going to look and say, well, there's some people who are more gifted and people who are more talented and, you know, just a few get to do for everyone. Uh, That's not how God designed it. God designed it for every person. So I hope you hear good news that if you kind of wondered, I don't know if I can really make a significant difference in this world, because we all want to live and make an impact and have a purpose. Mm -hmm. We all
0: have a purpose. And so we're going to walk you through this little acronym right here. The S stands for spiritual gifts. If you weren't with us last week, we spent the whole message just on this one point. Um, I do want to read this scripture again that we mentioned last week. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. When you and I serve in the church, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in our lives, and things will bubble up in our lives. Sometimes we may not have realized that God wanted us to do until so we started start to get involved in serving. And so I could be an usher or I could be working with children's ministry or things and discover all of a sudden that God wants me to teach because I can explain things in this ministry the way others can't. Or maybe I have the gift of service or the gift of hospitality or the gift of wisdom because I seem to always have the right words to say. And that will come as we use our gifts together. In fact, just to tell you, this was something we mentioned last week. I want to hit it again. A life application there, three ways to discover what my spiritual gift is. I can pray and ask God... I can actively serve and see what manifests, see how he manifests himself in my life. And thirdly, I look for affirmation from other Christians, affirmation. And Shane, that's, we, uh, we have some resources. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, on the back of the bulletin, you're going to see that you can go to our
1: website and you can uh, do a spiritual gifts inventory. Because the good thing is you're all in the gifted program. Yeah, I just kind of laugh. I was tested three times in elementary school, you know, for that gifted program. You know, That's a blow to your self-esteem. You get, keep getting tested and keep not making it. Yeah. But finally, I made the gifted program. And uh, <laughs> all of us have that. God has given us a spiritual gift. And so you can, a lot of us don't know what our spiritual gifts are, but can I just say a couple things about that? One, you don't have to know what your spiritual gift is before you serve. Uh, the greatest way to discover your spiritual gift is to serve. Now, again, we're giving you an opportunity to go take a, a, a diagnostic a, online, to, an inventory, so you can kind of get an idea of what your spiritual gift is. But still, even that's doing it in isolation. And one of the greatest things about discovering your spiritual gift is being in community. Because it, it takes community to serve. I mean, you don't do that by yourself. And so, again, discovering it in community is really important. And, again, just like John said last week, I'm not belabor these things, but pray because God gave it to you. He's not up there in heaven going, oh, this is the perfect gift. They'll never they'll never, under, or never guess him. what I have for them. Don't you know, he's him. not up there trying to surprise us. He wants us to use the gift. And so when you pray, you become more expectant and more aware of how God is going to answer that. You're looking for him to answer it. So pray. God wants you to know, and that's why he gave it to you. The second thing is just serve. Because, again, you begin to start discovering a whole lot about yourself as mm. you serve And again, God can affirm to the results of what's going on in your life through the fruit and the satisfaction you get that maybe this is how God's wired me. And then the third is, of course, affirmation of others. And I I really want to let you know this is extremely important in such a positive way because I promise you I wouldn't be up here, I wouldn't even probably be in ministry uh, as we talk about it if somebody wouldn't have affirmed God's callings in my life because I didn't feel qualified at all. In fact, my biggest fear in life is talking in front of people. So I would have never chosen an occupation that would put me in front of all these eyes, you know, to say anything. But people saw something and said, you should do this. And, of course, again, it's also helpful when people can help clear some, some wrong thinking that we have by saying in a loving way, hey, God's got something for you, but it might not be in this area. Have you ever thought about this because you do this really well? And sometimes we need that clarity because I have blind spots in my life. And I'm sure you do as well. And sometimes people on the outside can see those better than we can. And that's why uh, doing these three things of praying, serving, and getting affirmation from others is probably the best way to find your spiritual gift.
0: So, if you have this open on the right side over here, here are a couple of questions for you. If you're trying to figure out the S, who am I? What's your spiritual gift? Who has affirmed your gifts? What spiritual gifts can you identify? in other people in your connect group, if you're in a small group. What have they identified in you? And how can you use those gifts at Centerpoint? If you already have something in mind, just write it in the margin there and then talk about it later.
1: Yeah, and just one thing again, as as another warning, when we do a spiritual gifts inventory, I've grown up in church where I've had a lot of people see needs, but they choose not to serve them because they say, that's not how I'm gifted. And they use their spiritual gift not as an opportunity to serve, but as a reason not to serve. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but uh, that can be pretty common. And what I want you to know is serve your understanding your spiritual gift a lot of times doesn't tell you what you should do it more informs you how you should do what service opportunities are in front of you So again if you have the gift of teaching you might not always use it up in front of a whole group of people but you'll find lots of opportunities to teach in all kinds of service opportunities uh, or to be hospitable in different environments where it's not necessarily just a greeter or an usher so again Look at your spiritual gifts as an opportunity to inform you how
0: you're going to serve, not just, oh, I shouldn't do that. That's not my spiritual gift. So that's the S. Here's the H. The H stands for heart. God has given each of us a heart or passions for ministry. It's part of how he shaped us. Here's the Apostle Paul's passion, Romans 15, 20. My ambition, Paul said, has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than one where a church has already been started by someone else. I can relate to this one. A big part of the passion I have, what passion, the passion that, that God has put in my heart, is to have a church that can be in many locations at one time and to figure out a way that we can start churches in people's living rooms where ordinary people can play and all of us can serve with more extensions, more opportunities to serve. Man, it gets me excited. I know you can't tell, but this is something that I am passionate about. What are you passionate about? Here, listen to a couple of things. Look at the H on the other side of the page here. What issues or needs cause you to cry, make you angry, or keep you awake at night? Sometimes people come to my office and they go, how come Centerpoint doesn't have anybody doing this or this? And how come we aren't doing this for this community? I go, so that really upsets you. Yeah, okay, you're in charge. And they go, oh my goodness. A <laughs> <laughs> <I laughs> fellow another that came in and he said, to yeah, got your appointment. Yeah, my schedule just <laughs> opened up next week. Uh, but anyway, I had a fellow come in another long ago and he was all upset about something we need to be doing. I go, okay, good. Well, why don't you run point on that? Let's get a meeting together. Let's see if we can get some other people excited about that. He goes, how is this possible? I come in here to let you have it, and I come out of here with an assignment. And I go, because we're all together. This is God's body. It's not just me. Please hear this. It's not just Shane. It's not just me. If you're at the sites, it's not just the site pastor. We're all in this together. And God wants all of us to play. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. It's what we believe at the core of our being here at this church. And we want you to serve where your passions are. We don't want a committee somewhere to assign you to a task that uh, you're just. Thank God for caller ID on Saturday night, so I won't pick up the phone if John Schmidt calls. Okay, yeah.
1: I mean we don't want that. No, we want you serving in a place you're passionate about, and the reason why is because when you're passionate about it and you would do it whether someone asked you to or not, you know you don't feel like someone's the police after you, you know, checking up on you. You're doing what what you you get energized from, and. And two people benefit when you do that. One, you do, because now service is not a burden and a drain. But second, the people that you serve. Because if you're serving in an area that you're passionate about, guess what? You're going to do a better job, and they're going to benefit from it. So that's what we want.
0: Our spiritual gifts, that's the S. Our heart, our passions, that's the H. A stands for abilities. God has given each of us abilities. Exodus 31, in the ten previous chapters, God had been telling Moses... How to lead the people of Israel? He'd them the Ten Commandments and instructions about building a portable temple, a tabernacle, and all the furniture that was needed there—incense burners, candlesticks, um, you know, all, uh, an altar, all kinds of stuff. And Moses' question would have been, "How am I going to do all this? How am I going to make all this?" Listen to what God told him: "I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I've commanded you to make." And what Shane mentioned before is exactly right. If God wants us to pull this church together, then he's going to bring the people together with the skills to get it done. Now, I want you to understand something, though. You have more abilities than you think, many more. I mean, tell them what the Rick Warren had yeah. to deal on that, too. Rick Warren said the, the average
1: person, and I, I just think we have oh, we're above that. We're, yeah, we're above average. The yeah. average person has anywhere between 500 to 700 Abilities, skills, or talents, and a lot of times we think, "Man, that's that's really high," because we think of skills like, "Oh, I can sing, or I can play sports, or I can do this," and we think very few. But in actuality, you know, can you count? Can you read? Can you brush your teeth? Can you dress yourself? Can you drive? These are all skills and abilities. What we need to begin to think is, how can I use those skills for ministry? I have The church I left in in Missouri, they have a ministry for foot care for people who have diabetes, and you know they help them take care of their feet because if they get a cut or a sore, it could be really bad and can lose their feet. So you know what they do is, if you have the ability to, or to clip toenails, you can be a part of this ministry. Now I have the ability to clip toenails. I don't have the stomach to clip somebody else's toenails, but even God works that together, and some people do. And they can use that to minister to someone in incredibly profound ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have the ability to drive, the Meals on Wheels people will be glad to talk to you. They will. I don't have any abilities. Can you drive? Yeah, I'm a good driver. You just signed up. I mean, what if we actually thought that way? Well, I can't do anything. I can't sing like the worship leaders here. Well, I, I can't teach in front of a large crowd. Nobody saying everybody has to do that. we're saying is, can we use the skills and abilities God has given us? Look under the A on the right side there. What skills or abilities do you possess? In which of these areas do you excel? What are your hobbies? What's your current job or profession? Why do you choose it? What's your dream job? And what would make you qualified to hold that position? And how could you use any of your skills or abilities at CenterPoint? This is worth thinking about. This is worth talking about over lunch with a friend, and by the way, if you have questions on any of this stuff, we would love to talk to you. All of our staff would This is fun stuff to see how God is gonna, has put us together here. Some of us can cook, some of us can't. Uh, some of us have amazing abilities s h a of shape here 's the p p stands for personality god 's given us each of a personality, and some of you are shaking your head going, boy, has he ever I know some people with a personality. Uh, In Genesis 25, Jacob and Esau, heroes of the Old Testament, heroes of the faith here. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, and he was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Different personalities. Twins. Different personalities. I have a twin sister. We have very different personalities. Okay? So people can be twins and have very different personalities. On the P side, on the other side of the page here, I want to talk about a few things. And we've kind of done a little sliding scale between some poles here under just a few helpful headings. At least I hope they're helpful to you. And we'd like you, even right now, while you're sitting there with your pen, there's kind of a little scale here. If you're closer to the category of the description on the left, put a circle there. If you're closer on the right, put it there. If you're in the middle, or you might be somewhere in between, you'll know. And if you don't know, if you're married, ask your spouse. They'll know. <laughs> They'll know. Okay. Here, l- just do a couple things. You might be an extrovert or an introvert, that top scale there. An extrovert is someone who's sociable, outward focused, energized by being around others. An introvert values privacy, is inward focus, energized by solitude. You could be a public speaker and be an introvert. Every time after you speak, you have to go away for a couple days to get your batteries recharged. Does this make sense to everyone? Okay, where would you be? Circle it. A detail person, you focus on the details, the facts, here and now. Or a big picture person, focus on creative ideas. And you're always thinking about the future where would you be? A thinker, logical problem solver, reasonable, tough-minded, a feeler, assess the impact on others, compassionate, tender-hearted. You want to give everybody a hug. There's nothing wrong with hugs. But on the other side of the scale, there's nothing wrong with people who are saying, let's get this done. Quit hugging. Let's go. (laughs) Which side would you be? Right in the middle. Okay, scheduled. People who plan, organize, avoid last minute stress, spontaneous, you'd be flexible, shoot from the hip, energized by last minute pressure. It's due tomorrow, I've got six hours, <laughs> plenty of time, bring it on. Adrenaline junkie. I love getting stuff done at the last minute. Or who thinks like that? I mean, there's some people that plan for three days, their shopping list to go to Walmart, and they're alphabetized A1, A2, A3. Okay, Well, where would you be on this list? And this matters. I had somebody come to me just this last week. By the way, I go through this acronym in my office with people all the time. They come in and go, I want to know how I can play. And I go, well, let's walk through this. And we walk through the same stuff we're doing here. And this fellow, he was somebody who goes, well, I said, describe yourself. He goes, well, I'm high energy. I'm kind of ADD sometimes. I like to have a lot of fun. Where do you think I fit? Junior high ministry. We're good. Right here. He goes, I love junior high kids. Okay, it's a divine moment. Let's go. You know that we need all types here. And what's exciting is you and I can figure this out together. And so God can use all kinds of personalities, all kinds of skills and abilities. And then the last one, the E, God has given us life changing experiences. He has. And, Shane, I'm really going to want you to comment on this one. 2 Corinthians 1.4, the Apostle Paul says, He comforts us, speaking of God here, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. That's true, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because, again, you know, our experiences help us. You have educational experiences. You have work experiences. You've had past ministry experiences. Maybe you went on mission trips, things like that. But one of the most profound experiences that really shape you are your painful experiences. <laughs> And to, and what I, I want you to hear is Paul just wrote about that, just saying that God gives us grace to comfort us through our times of trouble so that when we encounter someone else who's going through that same experience, you can minister to them out of the same grace that God gave you. And I want you to know a couple of things. One, uh, a lot of times we're really ashamed or embarrassed about our painful experiences because they can be something that was really hurtful that was done to us. And sometimes they're things that we've done to ourselves, And we don't want people to know that because we're afraid, well, what would they think of me if they know that I've been through this? I want you to know there's a lot of people who are experiencing the same things that you've walked through. And the person who's best equipped to minister to them is someone who's already walked that path before. And I I want you to know my heart and John's heart and everybody who's a part of this church, our desire is this to be a place to, to, one, to encourage you to know that you're forgiven and God redeems you and he redeems your broken past to use it for his good. And if someone ever shames you or says uh, something about that, they've misunderstood what God is trying to do. And so I want this to be freeing, that you might think I'm the only person this has happened to. That's not the case. And God can use you to impact people in a way that we can never imagine because we've never walked that path, but you have. And let God now take that pain and bring glory to himself by how he's restored you
0: and helped you th- th- uh, help someone else through that. The very best person to help a person who's a drunk is somebody whom God has given victory over alcoholism. The very best person to help a woman in a crisis pregnancy is a woman who went through that years ago herself. If you and I will allow God to use our good experiences as well as our painful ones, both my parents, I've lost both of them in the last few years, I'm much better at ministering to people as they're going through the grief of losing their parents now. I still remember all the things I read in seminary. The experience has has sharpened me in ways I never would have imagined. Same for you. Same for you. We're all in this together. So we want you to serve how God has shaped you. We're not going to force you to do this. Well, for you at Pike Road, Don Darling might tell you where you need to serve. <laughs> if you know Don. If you have two hands, he'll call you to yeah, us. <laughs> That's right. But no, the truth is, at all of our sites, all of our site pastors, God wants us to serve how he's shaped us. And we want you to help us discover, to allow us to help you discover that. We will help you. So inside this, um, and Mark, why don't you come up while I'm talking here. Um, inside this, inside your bulletin, there are lots of places to serve. There's a little tear-off tab. We'd love for you to fill this out. You could drop it off on your way out of worship today if you're ready for that. You can drop it off anytime. time. We want every single person here to find a place to serve. If you have questions or need help, we'll be glad to talk to you about it. I want you to meet uh, one of the folks who's answered a call to ministry in our church. This is Mark Sloan.
2: And Mark, what are you going to be doing at, with CenterPoint? Uh, I'm going to be the director of military ministries here at Centerpoint. Um, my wife and I have had an opportunity to serve for 20-plus uh, years in the Air Force and in various churches around the world. And so when he talks about getting involved, again, the spiritual gifts is one thing, but getting involved, starting. Shane had a, an analogy that he used in their the first service. He started about a car.
0: Yeah.
2: And when it's apart, it's very hard to steer the car. But when it's moving, it's a little easier to steer the car. So that's what it is. It's talking about just jumping in and getting engaged.
0: And so um, some of the experiences there, obviously, you had a career in the military.
2: But then on top of that, you got involved with some military ministry while you were in the military, right? I did, yeah. Campus Crusade for Christ, many of you know about that ministry. But they also have what's called a military ministry. In that military ministry, uh, my wife and I were uh, invited to join that, that ministry about 14, 13, 14 years ago. And so we've served with them. I told John about a story. Um, I had an opportunity to visit Arlington National Cemetery back in June of 1999. The picture you're seeing right now is me standing in the middle of that cemetery. And in every direction, you can see headstones as far as the eye could see. And at that point, just a thought came to my mind. And the question I asked God was, Lord, how many knew you? How many came to you before they died serving our country? And so I think he started this in me many years ago. Uh, but now we've got an opportunity to serve thousands and thousands of military members here, uh, permanent party, retirees, guard, reserve, active duty, students at the school. Yeah,
0: I mean, you've got to understand when God called this church into being five years ago here in the River Region, well, we're right next to uh, an enormous military base, just a few miles as the crow flies. And there are all kinds of people with all kinds of needs. Military folks have financial needs, marital needs. They come back from deployment, and everything's changed while they've been gone. All kinds of stresses. They have to relocate over and over again. And what if we could help them? And that's something that God put on your heart. He gave you the experience for that and ministry, and then he also gave you a heart and a
2: passion for this. And so this is how, this is how God has shaped you. Certainly has. And, and, and I would say if when... John was going through the heart issues there. If the military came to your mind, I, I want to talk to you afterwards. I'll be right outside. Please come see me. And if you are a spouse of a deployed member now, I need to speak to you. I want to know how, better, how we can serve you better yeah, while and, they're gone.
0: And at each of our sites, Mark will be at the sites over the next few weeks, too. We've got military folks involved in each one of them. And we'd love to know how we can work together. So um, if you have a concern, a passion for that, you're willing to help under the personality side, if you circled the word flexible, we need that one because we're just starting on this, right, Mark? We're trying to figure it out as we go along. That's right. And so we'd love that. But we want you to serve where God has called you. Do you have a passion for kids? Good. We need people who have passions for kids. Do you have a passion for technical stuff? Great. You want to help get more people baptized? Well, we'd love for you to be involved in that. Wherever God, However God has shaped you, we want you to serve, because God wants all of us to play. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that you created us to serve, and you called us to serve. You shaped us to serve, and you'll reward us when we do serve, both with satisfaction and peace in this life and eternal rewards in the next. And I pray, Lord, that we'll serve. I pray that you would help us serve according to where you want us to be. Lord, I pray that We would not do so out of pressure or out of guilt, but out of joy and out of discovery. God, I pray that you would stretch us and pull us into things that you want us to do that would bring us more joy than we could ever imagine. In just a moment of silence right now, if you're willing for the Lord to use you, would you just pray right now and say, God, I want you to use me? Would you show me where you want me to serve? I want to play. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for bringing our church into existence. I just pray, Lord, that you would allow me and all of our staff, all of our leaders to equip people the best we know how to serve you with, our, with everything we've got. And I pray, Lord, you would enrich us and build us up through that process and use every one of those experiences for your glory and to help get us ready for heaven. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus, the one who came to serve and not be served. We want to be like him.